And then there were eight. 56 films have fallen, and now we are left with the best. Which two films will make the finals? Let's find out. This is Disney vs. Round 4. Welcome to Disney Versus, coming to you live from Mount Wanahakalugi. <laughs> this is the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Tori. I'm Grace. I'm Heather. We are in round four. Shit is getting real. Oh, so real. We are down to the quarterfinals of our bracket, and the gloves are off, so to speak. If you're new to the show, welcome. What we've done on the show for the past three rounds is we've taken 64 Disney and Pixar movies and we've ranked them in a March Madness style bracket and we talk and eliminate them until we have a true winner. And we're getting closer to that true winner. Woo! Yep. How do y'all feel so far about how the bracket has kind of spit things out? How do I feel about the movies that we have left? Yeah. Or even, like, where the brackets are. I mean, we have Lion King versus Beauty and the Beast, and I feel like those are both heavy hitters. <laughs> in, in someone else's podcast, that's the final that we would be getting, to be completely <laughs> honest. Somehow we, we messed that up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we messed up when we put them in the same, bra- in the same part of the bracket the to begin side. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I blame that on the bracket creator. <laughs> Tori. <coughs> Wait a minute. We both created the bracket. It was it was a team effort. Heather could I have helped know. out by actually having uh, rankings. Uh, I just know I just know it's definitely not my fault. Because her tier system uh, didn't help maybe at all. Maybe it is your fault because you it's, didn't help. Heather, you weren't not my fault. <laughs> Heather, you weren't part of the solution, so you were part of the problem. There you go, I like that. I didn't I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's not my, I didn't, it's not my fault. That's your stance, and you're sticking to it. Yes. Oh, uh, what was I okay. about to say? Oh man, lost my train of thought. The fact that there's no news and it's only Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of disappointed about that. Maybe because it's so close to Oscar season, and Disney doesn't. Well, I mean, Disney has a bunch of movies coming out. Like Dumbo comes out in March. Where's the Dumbo news? Mm-hmm. Do we really want Dumbo news? Mm. Uh, shoot, I'm really mad I forgot what I was about to say. It was really important. Do we want to go, go ahead and start the matchups and then you'll probably remember right as we're starting them? Yeah. Grace, what's our matchups for this episode? This week we have Mulan versus Finding Nemo and Wreck-It Ralph versus The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Huh. Yep, Thanks, see? Grace. Thanks, Grace and Heather. <laughs> I'm so helpful. Um, <laughs> at this welcome. point in the uh, bracket, it's a good it's a good thing that you asked that. At this point, I think we should go ahead and give out the participation award for all of these movies because I would be fine. I'm fine with these eight movies being left, give or take a few that I thought would be left over. I'm fine with these. Yeah. What are the other 
side of the bracket? What's left on the other side of the bracket? The other side, we have Wally versus Inside Out and the aforementioned Lion King versus Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like, I feel super solid on six of the eight of these. I can agree with that. Yeah. I wish Hunchback didn't go against Lion King. I know. (laughs) I feel like we screwed up. I feel like Hunchback should be up there as a dark horse. And Mm -hmm. I don't think Inside Out should be there. Oh, you don't? I don't think so. I don't think so. Do do we want to call it audible? No, no, we're not doing that. It's from a completely different thing. (laughs) Yeah, I almost was like, in editing the last episode, I almost was like, you know what? We're just going to... Hit the redo button. And, and let Honestly, so that I can at least get a second chance at words. <laughs> <laughs> and just speaking in general. Man, Heather called Heather called Lion King overrated, and that was it. That was oh, that was. Uh, uh, Hunchback has can't. to die now. I can't. was like, I was like, no. <laughs> Heather, you should have watched with that. the. You I watched their eyes. No, because I watched your I watched both of both pairs of eyes just glaze, glaze. over, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I lost him. I lost She's him. Lost us. Yep. You had me. And that's like... when Heather was booted from the podcast. Yep. <laughs> Heather was banned. That's, Dropped the that's why Heather hammer. doesn't have. That's why Heather doesn't have very strong opinions about things. Because then she can't. Then she can't talk. <laughs> Heather has lost her producer credit for. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say. Remember when Heather used to just be a producer? Yeah. Legitimately, <laughs> no, listen, just go back to that. <laughs> no joke. I um I listened Demote to me. episode zero on my way home. <laughs> and oh, man, we have come a long way. Yeah. Just just saying. I might do that just just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Listen mm-hmm. to episode zero and then episode one. We've come a long way. Uh, so then there were the glory years which was like year two year two was great i feel really good Mm -hmm. about year two like end of end of year one beginning of year two yeah yeah (laughs) then we kind of went crazy yeah yeah okay (laughs) what are we starting out with yes First up, let's discuss Mulan versus Finding Nemo. So we've talked about these three times now. Yes. All of these movies. We've talked about them all three times. And we've gotten a little more in depth with each um, episode. So for this round, for round four, this is going to be pretty from the heart um, and not as scripted and not, uh, I don't think we're going to go as by as many bullet points. Yeah, we've thrown out the bullet points. We are not just, structured. Yeah. No more bullets. Only knives now. <laughs> Only knives. Only cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. Tori, would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll go first by um, asking myself this honest question about Mulan. I've said uh, multiple times, even in our own episode about it, is that. Uh, Shan Yu was my number one villain. Mm-hmm. But is he a good villain? Like, no. Like for the Didn't sake we... of, you know, like. I thought we him... settled this. No, well, I, we, we agreed that him, his pure motivations and like his pure method and his capability, yes, he is a very good adversary, uh, you know, to Mulan. Like, there's no bullshit with him. 
but from the purpose from the basis of him as a character is he a good villain i think one of the things to consider is that um for a lot of our other villains they're motivated by putting someone else down um by like hurting someone else or for for their own good for their own benefit but they're still actively like there's some joy from maleficent screwing people over and yeah. and same with ursula ursula gets some joy from like taking something from ariel and then seeing how it all plays out and she's kind of maniacal Mm-hmm. Um, but Sean Yu doesn't give a fuck about anyone else mm-hmm. except for him and his cronies. Like he just yep. wants he just wants to rule China. He really doesn't care if anyone else is on board. If you're in his way, well, and I don't even know if it's really rule China yeah. too. Because no. I think because really it was all just a challenge for him. He was like, "You built this wall to see if I could get past it." Yeah, and now I have. So now I'm going to go for your emperor. So I'm going to maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Hamilton reference. I don't think it's about ruling with because Washington says winning was easy, governing's harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Yu doesn't want to rule China. He just wants to conquer China. Yep. Does that make sense? Like once yeah. China is his, like you said, he uh-huh. doesn't give a fuck. Like he's gonna be like, all right, plant my flag in China. Peace out. On to the next. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. ruling is different. He's a conqueror, not a ruler. Right. Mm-hmm. But on a character basis, nope. I think Sean Yu and his connection to Mulan is non existent. Because if you think about it, like, let's take Simba and Scar. Scar is Simba's uncle. Scar kills Simba's father. There's a general connection there. Bell and Gaston, if we want to call Gaston the villain of Beauty and the Beast, because he is. Yeah, he's, the, he's, the, he's the stalker, you know, wannabe boyfriend of Belle. And he tries to lock up Belle's father. There's a connection there. Let's go with Snow White and the Evil Queen. You know, her that's her Snow White is basically the Queen's ward, who she thinks isn't as fair as she is. So there's conflict there. Shan Yu, like, it was just happenstance that Shan Yu and Mulan kind of their paths kind of collided. Like, if it wouldn't have been Mulan, it would have been Shang. And it kind of mm-hmm. takes away from kind of the connection and the importance the yeah, of their, like, Sh- I can't think of Shan Yu as Mulan's Darth Vader to her Luke Skywalker or mm-hmm. her Voldemort to her Harry, or the Voldemort to her Harry Potter, you know? There's not a connection between the hero and the villain. And I think it kind of robs Shan Yu of his kind of importance. How? Does He's literally the cause of this whole movie. But still, like, there's... He doesn't have to have a connection with Mulan to, I, like, I just, be a proper villain. I No, I think, I think... I'm agreeing with Troy. I don't think it... He's still important, but he's not... Significant? He's an antagonist. Yeah. No, he's still significant. I think, I think both of you are saying kind of opposing things. Like, I do think that he's significant. He's the impetus for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the journey isn't even mostly about him. Yeah. Like, he's just the catalyst for getting the show going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that mean that he's, up, like, bad at being a bad guy? Like, is that is that no. what you're getting at? No. Or... I, I think I think a villain is a very specific type of bad guy. So he's still a bad guy. He's mm-hmm. just not... He's not intentionally focusing on our protagonist. Yeah, no, because he wants all of China. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's like, our connection. So, Literally, so the no. connection is China. And that's yeah. so many people. Yeah. 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 So, like, I don't, for that reason, I don't think he's a, a proper Disney villain. I think he's a proper Disney antagonist. That, yeah. yeah, that's it's fair. Co- it's, cool. it's cool to break the mold. Yeah. Whereas, and then, you know, Finding Nemo, Mylan's villain, air quotes, or antagonist, mm-hmm. is kind of like the entire ocean. I mean, there really, there really isn't a villain in Finding Nemo. We've talked about it. There's no, there's no mm-hmm. villain. It's just obstacles trials. for him to get. Yeah, trials yeah. for him to get through. And I think right. and his own anxiety. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a that's a positive against Sean Yu's kind of neutral. I, I don't want to call Sean Yu a negative, but I mean, for the for the purposes of this discussion, it's a negative. Well, I think it's a more realistic. Yeah. Uh, well, that's an interesting thing to say is that Quote Mulan, which, which deals with people, people and talking f- versus talking fish, the talking fish are more realistic. <laughs> it's got, it's got a more... Have you seen the uh, water animation? <laughs> um, it's got a more relatable like storyline. Story line. It's, it's got trials that are more relatable. You're much more likely to run into some bullies um, who are really softies in AA? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Then, like, then some guy who's trying to ransack your entire town and you know get over your great wall. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds like America. <laughs> Ooh, too soon. I'm gonna. What did I I'm say? Go there. <laughs> what did I say last podcast? We are not political. This is not a political. And I'm not trying. I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying that. <laughs> That being like, said, I used that also have that also happens. Discussion. And we yeah. are the people that do that. We are Sean Yu yeah. and his crew. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so aside from villain versus trials, I guess. For, um, yeah. What else do you got for Mulan versus Finding Nemo? Um, who gets more? Who grows more, and who accomplishes more in their? Uh, in their journey because they both have journeys of of some kind yeah, yeah so i think are pretty, are pretty similar in a sense of like uh, the whole are... like self-discovery thing it's just they... the parent to the kid versus the kid to the parent if that made any sense at all yeah i think from a base level from from beginning to mo- of movie to end of movie we definitely see a greater progression from marlin because Mulan isn't steering into the fire. She is already contrary to what she's supposed to be. So she's just going to go and be more contrary. Like Mm -hmm. her society has raised her to believe that she's supposed to sit down and be quiet and be servile. and, um, And instead she feels like she should be fighting for her country and supporting her family. And so that's what she does is, is she already has that, um, that willpower and that ambition to do more. Marlon's the opposite. He's forced into a situation and has to go against all of his fears, um, to go and save his kid. So in the end game, she learns how to be a more well-rounded human and a leader but Marlon learns that not everything is going to kill you. Mm-hmm. I think that's more, I think that's the bigger win. And something I was thinking about uh, 
a little bit after we watched me and Heather watched uh, some of these the other day. And something I thought about at the end, um, the first person to bow to Mulan is the emperor. Mm-hmm. And then in reaction, uh, the rest of Shifu, Shifu bows too. and then the rest of China bows. I'm mm-hmm. thinking as an American in 2019, what happened later? Because right before she... Right before she blew up the palace. Because if you think about it, you're on the ground in the Imperial City. You don't know what's going on. You just see, from far away, you just see people on top of the palace fighting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody was listening to Mulan. And my thought is, what happened afterwards? Mm -hmm. What about the people who weren't there and didn't see it? They were, I'm going to turn into this. Where were the bigots that were like, a woman did what? Nah, yeah. that's not true. Forget it. She's still a woman. She's she's she should get back in her place. And I'm just kind of thinking, what happened in the city afterwards? I think that's fair, but I also think there's something to be said about implication of Chinese patriotism that's very different from U.S. patriotism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like word would travel pretty fast. I mean, well, word travels probably, pretty fast. Yes, probably I, via the emperor because I, he gave yeah. her the like medallion or whatever, and then also the sword of Shan Yu. I don't even life. mean that people would learn faster. I mean that I think there's more dedication to uh, what the emperor says goes. Exactly. No, okay. and that, that's what I was getting at too. I was I was gotcha. thinking he would like send out a letter or something. I mean, mm. oh, so maybe there was like a decree across China that you know. Anybody who fucks with Mulan will have to answer to the to the emperor. I don't even think you need that. I think it's just implied by the fact that he's bowing down to her. Okay, like, no, that's right. the Again, only thing what about you need the for the Chinese people there? to. Oh, uh, then yeah, I guess. Because so, I doubt that. Like, well, her village is different. Like, what about the not her village? Because anybody in her village is like, wait, Mulan did what? She has the what? Is that a sword? They would they would respect right. that. What about the village over? You know, who are like, mm. nah, Mulan's still shit. She's still trash, you know? Yeah, so with instead of it being a decree to not fuck with Mulan, it's more of like sending out a notice of, hey, the war's over thanks to this one bitch that decided to be a man and then not be a man because actually she's not a man. That's, but that's she won. basically what a decree is. It's yeah. a, a decree, a proclamation, whatever kind of kingdom you're in, same thing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So then, yes, but it wouldn't be. It wouldn't necessarily be like, don't fuck with Mulan. It would just be like, the war is over thanks to her. Mm-hmm. She has my shit to prove it. <laughs> she's she's legit. Trust me. Exactly, and it's or and I'll because kill it's the you. emperor. Yeah, and because it's the emperor, everyone has to go by his word. Yeah. That's what I would think, at least. Okay. And that's why everybody knew about like their wedding in the second movie but that's just the second movie so yeah i wanted to strictly not bring up the second movie yeah that's that's the one for me at least and then on the flip side with nemo i feel like marlon's story was so personal it doesn't it wouldn't matter to anyone else i mean except him and his kid i mean you see at the end that marlon is you know he's more i guess outgoing he's more comfortable with his neurosis and his anxiety because he can finish the joke and they actually laugh and he's more comfortable with his kid. And I feel like it, it's hard to quantify or it's hard to qualify 
who grows more or quantify yeah that's what i meant it's hard to quantify mm-hmm. who grows more because mulan's is on a macro level and marlin's is on a micro level mm, i still say marlin grows more i think it depends on like the point of view that you personally take more interest in so he grows more as a father like as a father figure that is a little more understanding you know and mm-hmm. is like okay yeah like i am gonna have to no basically just yeah understanding the end cut and Got then it. uh and then mulan grows more into herself as just a human because she's like 16 or something right something like and, that yeah so she's like still going through awkward stupid teenage bullshit and and she's like the black sheep of the family because she's like oh man honor is really hard um <laughs> at least on the, fem- on the yeah on the female side of everything <laughs> so how about i just try to be a dude instead so that my dad doesn't have to go to you know but so that's hers is more of like a personal personality accepting yourself kind of growth and i think his is more of like a fatherly okay i don't have to be overbearing and I yeah. understand that Nemo wants to also be himself. You got to let him grow so he doesn't end up like me. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of, and this is my last thing, and I'll shut up and yield the floor to you two. Um, Thanks for letting us interrupt you a lot. That's fine. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Um, speaking of female honor, I was talking with Heather about this, about uh, Fali, Mulan's mother. Mm-hmm. In the Chinese culture, women are there basically to bear sons. From We... We get we get that from the movie. What kind of crap did Fali have to put up with when number one, she only bore one child, and this one child wasn't a son, and this one child was a massive screw up, basically. Mm-hmm. The quirkiest bitch. Yeah, she <laughs> she isn't about like no one wants to marry Mulan, and what kind of Tell like me what. What kind of adversity did she have to deal with in China, in, you know, mm-hmm. a Chinese village with a daughter, a daughter underline, like Mulan also underline. Mm-hmm. It just had to have been hell. Just dishonor to Mulan, like dishonor to... Dishonor on your cow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dishonor on your whole family. Yep. If you guys want to go, on, go in on Nemo, that's fine. Well, I feel like, so we're talking about villains, we're talking about overall growth story. What else do we care about? Like, Both soundtracks course, are good. Both soundtracks are good. Um, I literally one's a musical, can't... so it gets like plus two. Yeah, two, I literally well, can't talk about music for the rest of the, bra- the bracket, because I, I would bump all, I bump all eight <laughs> of these soundtracks on the regular. Right, um, yeah. These two probably the least actually really because a girl was fighting for or be a man those two i'll make a man out of you yes i that one that's the that's the workout jam <laughs> i mean <laughs> it is kind of motivational i mean i have a i have a great like image bubble <laughs> out of my head <laughs> tori working out be a man <laughs> I can you neither see def- his montage. I can neither Shut confirm nor deny man. that I've done a montage to this song. Don't make fun of me. We've all done it. Tune in next week for a photo montage of Tori working out with Pia yeah. We'll get an Instagram only for that montage. <laughs> I will, I'll shoot a video of me working out and just backdrop it to be, be a man. Going back to my old standard of 
if I had to choose a movie to watch over and over again, Neo wins this for me. One, I think because I don't want those songs stuck in my head forever and ever. Um, I always notice something new when I see Finding Nemo. There's always some detail that I noticed that I didn't notice before, some voice I recognize that I didn't recognize before. And then there's always, it is the gold standard for Drunken Disney. There has yet to be a game to top it. So that Finding Nemo would win this for me. Wait, so are we, are we making decisions, decisions right now? Or are we just... Heather, speak your piece. <clears throat> speak my piece? I spoke oh, my gosh. piece already. Um, well, as we all know, Nemo was not my favorite movie growing up because it was shown all the time in my high school when we had movie days, that and Wally. So I watched Finding Nemo for the first time in a really long time, uh, yesterday. And I actually sat down and watched it. I told Tori that I was just going to like put it on in the background because like I fucking know what goes on uh-huh. in Finding Nemo. <laughs> um... But, I mean, I did catch a couple of things, which was really cool. Um, Like, Bruce the shark not knowing his father is a pull from um, how sharks actually treat their kids. They basically find a safe spot to either lay their eggs or just have their babies. And then the parents just fuck right off because they're like, okay, bye. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I, like, looked it up because I was like, I wonder. Um, Mm -hmm. And then time frame stuff isn't isn't ever really like super important to me but i was curious about you know finding nemo uh and it all span and like the whole story spans within like a week aside from like the intro the really sad intro where everybody dies yeah um mm-hmm. like to the point where from the point where nemo gets kidnapped and like darla is supposed to pick him up it's a week but i did have some questions like how far out did that boat go because they were like, oh, yeah, I went off to the reef. How far is the reef? Because, like, Marlon and Dory had to go so far. And it yeah. took them days. It took them a week to get there. And I understand that they're fish, and they're like, this big. And a boat is not and has an engine. Mm. But, like, wow. <laughs> they had to go yeah. through so much. I feel like they're probably, <laughs> I don't know, like 20 miles up. Let's see. Let's Google this. How far I- is the Great Reef from Sydney. Sydney, yeah. And I'm thinking, while while Grace is looking that up, and I'm, Heather, you're right. It's like they had to go all that way. And of course they got sidetracked by sharks and um, running into Dory altogether and the fight with the uh, angular fish. What's it called? The thing with the light? Oh, the thing with the huge teeth. Is that what it's called? An angler? Angler? Yeah. Uh The fight with the angler, and then they were passed out by there. And then they find the East Australian current, and, like, then it takes them, like, another day and a half. And then they have to go by whale to get there. Yes. (laughs) Okay, do y'all want to guess how far Google is saying? Wait, what is it? From Great Barrier Reef to to Sydney? Uh Uh-huh. In miles or kilometers? (laughs) In miles. I just did the conversion. <laughs> oh, shoot. Ten miles. Uh, I'll go with 150 miles. No. Am oh. I closer? No. We're both way off, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, so then 50. A hundred and... I'm trying to find a map of just... Oh, here's a map of how far Mar- Marlin travels. No, yeah, so I'm right. That's, that is right. That's funny that someone actually has a map. 
photo. Well, yeah, because they probably have the same questions I do, but they actually went and answered it. (laughs) 527 Um, miles. No. Three. (laughs) No, it's a thousand miles. I'm sorry, what? A thousand miles. What? That little boat! Not realistic. That little boat cannot make it a thousand miles out. Here's the thing. It doesn't have to be off the shore, because the Great Barrier Reef is on... Like the northeastern side of Australia, and mm-hmm. Sydney's on the southeastern yeah. side. Sydney's on the bottom, so they just had to go basically around. Sydney. Around, yeah, they had to go around mm. the bump of Australia. Okay. Wow! But it's a thousand miles, so it took yeah. So like that makes sense. That makes that makes sense then. Okay. I was about to be like, not real. This <laughs> <laughs> is realistic. They were actually in Hawaii. They were actually in Hawaii. Oh man. Um, cool. So that that was answered. Uh, and then Heather, if I may interrupt you for a second. Okay. Both of these movies are all about like fathers and relationships because you have Bruce yeah. and his not knowing his father, Crush and Squirt, Marlon and Nemo, the kind of the fact that Dory can't doesn't know where her parents are until the sequel. Um, yeah. Gil as a pseudo father figure to Nemo. And then mm-hmm. in Mulan, you have Mulan and her father, and then, and then all of the Shang, fathers of China. Shang, let's let's not talk about the fathers of China. <laughs> and then <laughs> Shang and his father, which they spoke about in the commentary, is a nice parallel to Mulan and her journey because Shang is wanting to mm-hmm. you know live up to his father's expectation and his father's legend later on after he dies. And the emperor says spoilers. your father would be would be proud. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> we said spoilers in episode zero. We're off, we're off yeah. the hook. <laughs> ha! Sorry. Ha! <laughs> Not what I meant, but ha! <laughs> Go ahead. Abby. Um. <laughs> speaking of dads, uh, Marlon. Something else I noticed now that I'm now that I'm an adult and I notice things. Um. Marlon, in the beginning, whenever they were taking Nemo to school or whatever, Marlon was staying on Nemo's uh, handicap side a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like to steer him mm-hmm. like back in the right direction. And he would switch every once in a while, but that's just because Nemo was kind of like going back and forth and turning around talking to him and stuff like that. And like, mm-hmm. but it was just really funny, like watching him trying to like shepherd his kid mm-hmm. <laughs> like to school, and it's like, please just go this direction, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then, I guess the big one, quote-unquote, uh, in The Whale, Dory was saying that the whale says it's time to let go and everything's going to be all right, and Marlon's like, how do you know nothing bad is going to happen? And she's like, I don't! Right? Uh, and then that connection to like the like rest of the plot or whatever um, resolves when um, all of those fish are getting netted, mm-hmm. and... Marlin and Nemo's like, I know what to do! And Marlin's like, okay, I trust you, and like, physically lets go of his fin. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I found it. There it is. Okay. Message! Right yeah. Message received. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do still, like, now that I'm watching it and not hating it, um, I do catch, you know, little things here and there, but on the other side, Mulan is all about... I was weak, but now I'm strong, and I have to, like, make my family proud, specifically my father, because apparently women don't matter, um, <laughs> but I'm gonna matter, and, <laughs> and, uh, I 
mean, I feel like we've heard me and Grace gush about Mulan so much. Right. That they should know. So yeah, I don't really know how to like defend Mulan against Nemo because like they're both good and like both the stories are pretty parallel in the sense of like understanding who the heck you are and your role in things and stuff. And I mean, something we don't talk about enough. Well, we probably talk about it a lot. The animation, I think. uh, Hercules and Mulan stick out a lot because they have uh, very specific influences. Mm -hmm. Like with Hercules, obviously you have the Greek art style and architecture to pull from. And then Mulan, you have, you know, rice paper paintings Mm -hmm. and their specific art style. Uh, It's hard to pick between that and the... uh, I won't say photorealism because this obviously looks like a fake ocean, but it looks like a really good fake ocean. No, I remember... Like when it first came out. Yeah, I yeah. remember like I being in about. theaters and being like, whoa, There's that's water. completely <laughs> different. That's so, so realistic compared to like specifically the water. And then when you get even really any part where you don't see the characters... Like, all of the landscapes, all of that, it looks really, it looks real. In Finding Nemo? Yeah. I wouldn't call them landscapes, because they're underwater. So call Water them seascapes. seascapes. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, where is the land in this movie? Because <laughs> the, city, the, the city <laughs> doesn't look that great, but C4? the sea looks great. The sea, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, anyway. Sorry. That's okay. We're to be technical. So they're both um, so they're both pretty innovative, like animation wise. Yeah, and Mulan. I remember watching on. I don't remember if it was on Disney Channel way back when, or if it was on like the extended edition of Mulan. But I remember them talking about how there was a big breakthrough with CGI and uh, especially the fight scene, the battle scene where yeah, you avalanche. see the thousands and thousands of Huns. And how oh, yeah. they mm-hmm. learned to, like, replicate and, and create that kind of, like, that had never been done before. Mm-hmm. So I think and both the... of them have big animation breakthroughs. I agree. I will say that I get the soundtrack from Mulan stuck in my head way more than I do Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah. And I will, I will be a stick and say Finding Nemo's soundtrack sounds a lot like a series of unfortunate events. Because Thomas Newman's stuff tends to sound similar. I've said this before. Um, Hmm. But I was listening to... You listen to the track Finding Nemo and then the track um, The Letter That Never Came from Series of Unfortunate Events. They sound similar. And I think that's why Finding Nemo... I listen to Finding Nemo's soundtrack semi-frequently. But out of these eight, I probably listen to it the least. Because I would rather listen to a series of unfortunate events than Finding Nemo. Because it's basically mm. the same thing. Finding Nemo came out second. Came out two years after a series of unfortunate events. Saying you that didn't to... make this easier for me. Mm. Yeah. Did not make it easier. Are you ready to wrap this one up? I think I said all I can say if you guys don't have anything else. Mm-mm. Yeah, nope. So Grace, you start with the decision making. Just repeat uh, what you said I, <laughs> I pick Nemo. I pick Nemo. That's what I got. Yeah. For all the reasons I said before. Um, I pick Mulan. I relate to it more. I love that she shows insecurity, even when she's handed a sword from the Emperor. 
This is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this in another matchup, not just this one, but for the reason that I think it's a better movie, not because I like it more, I'm going to pick Finding Nemo. And that's tough for me. This is why I don't make decisions. So Nemo wins. Nemo yes. moves on. Nemo wins. Ta-da. Next. Wreck-It Ralph vs. The Incredibles. I'm not going first on this one. I will go last. This one's tough for me because I used to love The Incredibles, and then I think I watched it too many times. No. People change. <laughs> but I've only seen Wreck-It Ralph twice. I've watched Incredibles more recently than Wreck-It Ralph, and it had been a while since I'd watched it, and I was definitely was like, okay, I remember why, like... And part of it, God, the score. The score makes this movie. Mm-hmm. You could not do... The Incredibles wouldn't be nearly as good if Michael Giacchino hadn't composed the score that he did. I'm going to throw some shade for a second. Imagine if this movie had the same music as like a Marvel movie. I don't think it'd be nearly as effective. Because no. Marvel mm-hmm. movies tend to have shitty music. With the exception yep. of like Black Panther... Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. the first Iron Man, mm-hmm. they yeah. tend to have shitty music. Yep, yep, yep. It's such a different, like, it puts the delivery in such a different tone. It's another one that breaks the mold for sure. Yeah. Okay, so Wreck-It Ralph, I love, it's got a great alternative protagonist, someone we're not used to really seeing, um, who's typically the bad guy and as our protagonist, mm-hmm. and then this girl who's really pushing him. And you know how much I love world development, like Mm -hmm. Monsters University, and uh, they do such a great job with Candy Rush? Sugar Rush. Sugar Rush. Sugar Rush. I was going to say Candy Crush, and that's not right. (laughs) Wrong game. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was going to say wrong universe. There you go. Also works. So they do such a great job creating all of these different aspects that go into world and i appreciate that uh i like the story line i think it moves nicely i think it's well paced but and this isn't entirely fair because i've seen incredibles many more times than wreck it ralph but the incredibles has a much more memorable storyline and it also has pretty structured acts like there's a first second and third act um Mm -hmm. so you've got the first act that's all midlife crisis Midlife yeah. crisis, mm-hmm. he loses a job. The second part is all um, him on his own and his wife freaking out. Yeah. And the third part is family save the day. Yeah, pretty much from the family reuniting to the end. Yeah. You've got realistic family interactions. Every family has some problems that relate to the incredible family. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're called the Incredibles. You think of them as being this superhuman, super awesome group of people but they have their own real life problems and i think they're uniquely relatable for the topic whenever i think of wreck it ralph i always think of the twist at the end mm-hmm. oh yeah oh it did do such a good job of that yeah because yep, it's the best one it's the best twist forever and always mm-hmm. even though some people apparently think it's frozen which they're wrong uh <laughs> <laughs> jeez well and i'm talking about just like People in general too. Like there are there are like other people that also think that like Frozen has the best one. I'm like, have you have you seen Wreck It Ralph? No, it has video games in it. Wow. 
you need to go see Wreck-It Ralph. Wait, point them out. Who said that? Who said those words? I don't know. Probably like old people. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you had names and receipts. No, I'm I'm generalizing a group of people that I don't even that I haven't even heard from. Damn it! Because I don't I don't associate myself with them. So because okay. they're wrong, and so uh, <laughs> so I always think of the twist. Um, I always think of Ralph's growth because. Yeah, he kind of goes through twists and turns of, you know, like, oh, I need to prove myself and stuff like that. And then he meets Vanellope and she's pushing him to, like, be a better person, which really it's to, like, better her own, like, intentions and stuff. But it ends up, you know, helping them both grow in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then he gets derailed a little bit by King Candy slash Turbo because, oh, I'll give you this medal. He gets enticed with something, you know, and so then he crushes her car and she's like, you really are a bad guy. And it's like, ah, the feels. And then later he's like, oh shit, I fucked up, you know? So then he gets back on track. <laughs> I think Ralph is kind of, he's, let me explain. He's very human. Yes. In that most of the time he's acting in his own self-interest. Like when he when he goes turbo on his own game and i think going turbo heather i went and watched uh the cinemasins video mm-hmm. when you were like they don't understand how people are freaking out that he's going turbo i think going <laughs> turbo the phrase yeah. going turbo is defined as leaving your own game while the arcade is open mm-hmm. that is going turbo because turbo wigged out I feel like on with his malicious intent needs to be added to that because Turbo went into that other racing game because he was jealous of that racing game getting all of, basically getting his crowd. So he was trying to like fuck him up. I see your point, but I disagree. It I thought maybe... he had a breakdown. Who, Turbo? He, basi- he basically did. Yeah. Like, and it was because of Envy. Yeah. But Heather, I see Agreed. your point. I just, I just wish we had another example of someone going Turbo besides Ralph and Turbo. Or Turbo is going against the programming of your own game. And Ooh, that des- that describes that. Ralph, but not Turbo. Because Turbo wanted to be the best racer in the arcade. And that caused him to invade another game while the arcade was open. If it was like Street Racer rules and Turbo's like, okay, wait till the arcade's closed. Then we'll see who's the best racer in the arcade. I don't think it would have been, I don't think anybody would have had a problem like Turbo would have had the pride but his game still wouldn't have been as popular. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't think he was trying. At that point he wasn't trying to fix anything. Like he'd just gone crazy. Yeah. He he wanted his popularity back. And so I think I think, that's what it I, was. think I think doing something outside of their code, I think that makes sense and I think Ralph would be encompassed of that, but I also think that applies to Turbo. It is not in his code to leave his game while the arcade's open. So going Turbo to me means going against what your design, like initial code is for sure. Yeah. Your design code is. So back mm-hmm. to my back to my original point. Uh, it, he's human, and he's going. He's jumping from game to game in his own self-interest because he wants the love that Felix is getting, which. I mean, any of us would do that. I mean, yeah. God, I've been getting yeah, crapped on sense. for 30 years. I'm tired of it. And I'm going to take the steps to fix that. I'm going to prove myself to them that I deserve cake. Yeah. <laughs> and not a chocolate puddle of mud because I don't like chocolate. Until the <laughs> end. Because wrong. it saves his life. 
And then he meets Vanellope and he sees, she took my medal. It takes me working with her to get that back. Let me work with her. And then, Mm -hmm. like a normal movie, they develop a bond. And then he does what he has to do for himself. And then later he has a change of heart when he realizes that something's going on and Vanellope is actually the star of the game. And even when they were treating her bad because she's a glitch, like he was like, oh, they treat you bad and you live in trash? They treat me bad and I also live in trash. Let's benefit Mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. And that's kind of when they start being a little more cohesive. Yeah. But that makes, that's what I mean by he's more human. He acts in his own Mm self-interest until he remembers he's in a movie and then he has a change of heart. Right. The skirt. Yeah. Skirt. Huh. Because she's a racer. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) High five, Heather. Yes. (laughs) Skype five. Yep. (laughs) Clap us one more time. (laughs) But, uh, man, yeah, so that's Ralph. What's it going against? Incredibles. Incredibles. Superheroes. Uh. (laughs) Literal superheroes. I did not realize The Incredibles literally lacks five minutes to being two hours long. Yeah. Like, long. Totally forgot. And, like, it makes sense because it's a superhero movie. But I feel like back then it wouldn't have made sense because it because all this Marvel and like DC shit and ha- like hadn't happened yet. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with um, the fact that it's with the fact that it's superhero. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it really is because it's it's like a play. It is. Yeah, um, it and is. and also like its audience is. This is one of the examples where the kids are not the audience for this. This is very much geared towards towards adults and also satire. Like it's yeah, it's a commentary on being an adult and how fucked up it can be sometimes. And I love um, listening to Brad Bird. I love listening to Brad Bird talk about this movie. I watched it yesterday with the commentary, and just him. Of course, he wrote it. But I loved mm-hmm. hearing him dissect the little things about it. Like you said uh, earlier, Grace, that um, there are family, there's so many family moments that we can recognize. He was talking about when they um, get back to the city and they're driving. He talks about when he showed John Lasseter that scene and he said, something's missing. There's, there's, there's a little something missing. And Brad Bird says, don't say another word. I know what's missing. And then he came up with the idea of them arguing about directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, kids wouldn't get that. I don't think kids would understand the importance of that to that scene. Because that's exactly right. what parents would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like with Incredibles, they, they definitely put in enough for the kids to enjoy it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. With, They're superheroes. You know, all the superhero, like, bullshit and everything. It's fast they also put it. Yeah, I can run really fast. This bitch can turn invisible. It's great. And so... Explosions. Yeah, Explosions, exactly. super strength, bad guy. Yeah, just Robots. like very typical like superhero stuff. But with the stuff that they embedded into the storyline, all the family stuff that like all the adults get, they put definitely like enough in there too to make it just like one very big cohesive movie. So mm-hmm. that like encompasses mm-hmm. like all kind like all age range. Ziz. Age ranges. Words. Mm-hmm. But... Going back to growth really quick, really quick. I like Ralph's growth more than I like Mr. Incredible's growth because Mr. Credible, like I had a really hard time trying to figure out if Mr. Incredible was 
um, a narcissist, if he was, or if he was just really conceited, or if he was just going through midlife crisis, or if it's kind of all of the above. Because I'm trying, I'm trying to keep Incredibles two out of my head, because he like really shows how into himself he is in that one. Mm-hmm. But he does the same thing in this one too. It's just not as I guess like super noticeable because Helen isn't really ever in the spotlight in that sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so one one scene that I that comes to mind is when is when they're talking about Dash's like graduation mm-hmm. or whatever and he's like, I don't understand. He's going from the fourth grade to the fifth grade, you know, kind of thing and then they start like bickering and then it's and then like suddenly Helen turns into the bad guy because he's like, Well, let's just let him go on to sports, you know, and it's like, No. Because mm-hmm. you just want the fame for being the good parent. And so I don't I never really see that resolve. I don't think it has anything I don't think it means that he's a narcissist. Yeah. Especially yeah. I think he is going through a midlife crisis. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think he's looking for recognition like anywhere he can get it because he feels like he's not being recognized and he's worked really hard and doesn't have much to show for it right now. Right, cuz back in the day he was literally the best one or something. Yeah. Right, yeah. like at, like he I mean the, all three of them had TV shows apparently, but apparently he was like the more popular one out of out of everybody there in that city or mm-hmm. something. I guess. Yeah, because he's a straight white male with blonde hair Go and figure. blue eyes. Yeah. Oh. Does um, he have blue he's... eyes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I missed so... that part. I really did. <laughs> it's the mask. It's the mask. Yeah, it's the mask. Yeah, so maybe not narcissist because I feel like that uh, that whole like family relationship like that would just be super unhealthy but he is very conceited he is very into himself and like he's into his family too obviously that's why he feel like okay yeah it's more obvious now because he felt really bad about them being in danger later on in the movie yeah and he wouldn't have given a shit if if he was like an actual like by definition narcissist i don't agree with narcissists either i would say he's nostalgic for pride because he kind of has incredibly prideful. Yes. Yeah. Because that's, that's what it is. Whatever. I, I agree with Grace. He wants to be. He wants to be the the parent of the kid who is the fastest. And whatever whatever mental thing I don't think it has a name that parents who want to relive their days through their children, that's what he has. He looks around the room after he gets mm. that um, okay, that, that video from Mirage, and he's like, I could be this again. Mm-hmm. And that's why he listens to the police scanner. He misses being important because he has a shitty job, and he has a boss that comes up to his jock. And he doesn't <laughs> feel important anymore because all he's doing is trying to save people through insurance instead of getting out there and saving people with his bare hands. And right. he just wants to feel... He wants those glory days back and he wants he wants the pride that came with it and all of that is missing in his life yeah i don't want to say that he's not full of himself but i can see where he's 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 not full of what he is he's full of what he used to be does that make sense yeah so there's a parallel um and i don't know if we've actually talked about this before i know we've talked about the whole um when everyone's super, no one will be. But there's mm. a but there's um, there's a call out to it at the very beginning with Helen mm-hmm. and Dash in the car, and it's like and it's like everyone's special, Dash, meaning mm-hmm. no one is. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 
there it is. There's the mm-hmm. two. <laughs> I think we have talked about that before, but not in the context of Dash saying it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's 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 that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was really cool when I saw it, and I was just like, Ugh. and uh, also I didn't realize because I watched this. I watched it last night. Um, I did not find the commentary with uh, Brad Bird or whatever until after I watched the whole movie and it was like 1130 at night. And I was like, well, now I have to go to bed. <laughs> so, if I can sorry, get Grace. into what I what I wrote down, something that I love thematically about uh, this movie, just the way that it's crafted, because um, Brad Bird pointed a couple of these things out. He's really a good the the juxtaposition of a lot of things in the story the super versus the mundane like this is a superhero movie and then right next to it it is a story about a middle-aged man and his family and mm-hmm. it's this this movie is nothing but those those things butting against each other the entire time for example during the first fight with the omnidroid when bob mm-hmm. is you know it's superheroic it's super fantastic. It's super and super and super. And then Bob's back goes out. Something that's super, right. super mundane. Lame. Yeah, it's super lame. Super lame. Like, ah, buzzkill. <laughs> How old do we think he is, by the way? Because it said 15 years later. He's I in bet his he's 40s. like 38. I think he's in his 40s. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking like early 40s, late 30s or something. Yeah. So I just 15 to sure. years after? Right, and let's say they're like in their twenties or something. I'll say yeah, in their late twenties when they got married. So maybe late thirties, early forties. Yeah, let's say that. Yeah. And I mean, let's think of Bob as you know a superhero, not a superhero, huh? Let's think of him as a superhero, huh? Let's think of him as like a football player. You yeah. can you can do that for <laughs> let's you can only do that for so long before it starts mm-hmm. taking a toll on your body. Like mm-hmm. Bob was at the top of his game, and then he stopped. And then he got back in shape. Well, no, this was before he even got back in shape. Yeah, yeah, he literally just, like, went back into it with, like, zero training. Yeah. He put on a suit that didn't fit. Ugh. And his comically tiny legs tried to carry him <laughs> all around the island. His legs are so <laughs> tiny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Don't skip leg day, people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let that be a Honestly. public service to us all. Public service announcement to everyone. But, like, at the end, too, when they're rushing back in to save the city... And they're arguing over which exit to take. And mm-hmm. they're flying through the air and Dash is like, are we there yet? You know, just yeah. super mm-hmm. mundane things in this superheroic moment. And the right. movie is full of those things. And mm-hmm. I think it's just a great way to craft a movie, especially a yes. superhero movie. Because I, yeah. I can't really think of another movie that has done things like this. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, we've seen memes all over the internet like that... We have our Fantastic Four. It's The Incredibles. And, like, yes. honestly, like, yeah, you know? <laughs> because that was like, the that big exactly thing about it. the Fantastic Four. That was their that was their hook. They're, mm-hmm. they're a modern family who also has superpowers. And the, th- right. the drama, is, like, the character drama is how are they going to get along? Mm-hmm. And then... Do you have anything to say about Ralph? I, I uh, disagree that... Ralph has a better development than um Mr. Incredible? Yes. Granted, Ralph's is a lot more subtle and Mr mm-hmm. whereas Mr. Incredible is like in the cell, like I was blind to what I have, you know, you guys are my greatest adventure. It's kinda on the nose. But yeah. 
<laughs> I'm looking at the full ensemble of the pars against the four main characters, main characters, air quotes, from Wreck-It Ralph. Everybody in the par family kind of has their character development. Strongest among them are uh, Mr. Incredible and Violet. Um, yeah. it, took, it took me until last night to be like, where does Dash grow? Dash is reckless through pretty much the entire movie. And he's like, I, why, why don't you let me see what I can do? Mm-hmm. And once he realizes what he can do, I think he, I think he realizes how dangerous the world is. Because, I mean, people are shooting at him. And he's like, oh, this is what using my powers to the fullest extent can do. Like, this is what's right. out here. And he sees his sister get hurt after using her powers. Yeah. And so and he's I, like, what? You know. And I do love that moment. And I didn't come up with this on my own. It was actually a, a meme. When she dives in front of him before she get before they start shooting at her. Which time? Right before they run into their parents again. Oh, in the jungle? Yeah. She wasn't okay. expecting for her powers to work. Yeah, nope. Mm-hmm. She was just like diving out of her, at, diving into the way of bullets. Hey, someone's about to shoot my brother. I'm right. jumping in the way. And luckily, a force field pops up. Mm-hmm. That's a great character moment. Yeah. And they, he's like, how are you doing that? And she's like, I don't know. Like, this right. is not planned. Yeah. That's a great character. That's a great character moment and a great family moment. Mm-hmm. So, as and someone who has that, an older says, sister, don't touch my sister. Yeah, see, it's it's great moments. It's yep. great family. It's mm-hmm. a great family movie, yeah. and they also happen to be superheroes. Yeah, the only person that kind of grows, well, Ralph and Vanellope do grow in mm-hmm. Wreck It Ralph. Like Vanellope, she gets a little bit of confidence, and I, I wouldn't call it like she grows. She gets affirmation, like she mm-hmm. thinks yeah. she's a racer, and. At the end of the movie, she's like, "Yeah, I'm a racer. I knew it." Mm-hmm. 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 I guess I'm just I'm I'm a softie for self exploration and like self discovery mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's and that's and that's probably why I like I singled out like because because I like Violet's story more than I like Mr. Incredible's storyline. You know what I mean? That's fair. Mm-hmm. I think, but I'm again I'm looking at it as a whole and right, and I'm going individual, which yeah. For the Incredibles, I probably shouldn't because it's literally an ensemble. Yeah, it's it's an ensemble for a lot of it, but for a good part of it, it is individual with Mr. Incredible, which is probably why I pinpointed him out. Mr. Incredible mm-hmm. is the Homer Simpson of this in that most of the show and most of the movie focuses on Homer and Mr. Incredible. Right. And then mm-hmm. everyone else is everyone else populates the world. But yeah, yeah. I see I see what you're saying with Ralph. Mm hmm. Okay, are we... I'm ready to make a decision. Yeah? I'm also just trying to get the cat to stop fucking meowing. Okay, y'all go first this time. Tori, you first. I'm going to go with The Incredibles because mostly with what I said, this movie is put together so well. Everything is... um, Everything... There's such attention to detail in everything from... um, Man, if... If this movie was live action, I feel mm-hmm. like it would work mm. exactly the same. Because the way the movie is put together, there are there's camera movements and there yeah. uh 
like I'm thinking specifically one of the best scenes in this movie, the juxtaposition of Bob sneaking into Syndrome's version of Cerebro mm-hmm. and then paired up with Helen finding out where Bob is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a great scene just for the camera work alone. Like there's mm-hmm. so many things in this movie that's put together so well. Uh, the music, which we I would we love to about see this time. remade. Yeah, right? As Just, a live action. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only afraid that the live action would look like shit. I mean, unless you just you just get Brad Bird to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've if done it, this already. We're just doing this with real people this time. Because, I mean, the technology's there. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, do it like Iron Man. Yeah. Um, like, there are some... Like, stretchy limbs and stuff, like, making that look good. Yeah, I mean, that's totally possible. Yeah. And then the music, which we always talk about. We don't need to talk about the music anymore. Um, right. The thematic material. I love Wreck-It Ralph. I, I, I do so much. But I think Leaps and Bounds, Incredibles has, it's, it's better technically. It's better. It's better story. And I was thinking about the, the animation techniques that they pioneered, like the hair. Just, just for the mm-hmm. hair. I almost posted on Facebook, I bet Aquaman, if you guys haven't seen Aquaman, all the hair underwater was done in CG. Mm-hmm. I kind of figured, yeah. And I'm thinking, I wonder how much of The Incredibles influenced what is done in Aquaman. Hmm. Like, if, if any part of that was taken and used in Aquaman. Just yeah. just thinking out loud. Go ahead, Heather. I was going to choose Incredibles, basically, for everything that Tori had already said. The animation, and I was really, I was really surprised that the animation held up as well as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't like, especially after seeing Incredibles two and how like pristine and like clear and well defined and shaded and all that kind of shit. Like how everything is so much more enhanced in Incredibles two. It mm-hmm. still didn't. It still didn't make incre- like the first Incredibles uh, look hokey. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated that. Some of it kind of did. Like I think Jack Jack spitting up food, you mm-hmm. know. But like in general, a lot of it looked really good, and I was like, yeah, okay. So yeah, Incredibles. I am going to go with Incredibles as well. And the one thing that I want to add on is that you've both kind of touched on it, but how timeless The Incredibles is. The Mm -hmm. Wreck-It Ralph, just because it's based on technology, um, is not going to age as well as The Incredibles. And so I'll I'll be interested to see... I, I really enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph, and I enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph 2 as well. But I will be interested to see, like, there's a reason why I got tired of The Incredibles for a little while. It's because it's so good, and it's something I was willing to watch over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Go us. Look at us agreeing. Yeah. We I agree. Wanna, I want to keep, <laughs> keep talking for a second because uh, both of these movies had uh, sequels <laughs> that came out mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Sorry, last year. And uh, this year. both Ralph, both Wreck-It Ralph and its sequel, I, th- I, said, I think I talked about it in my review, the jokes and the technology dates it. Like, yeah. the yeah. internet... I can see that. The basis of the internet, like, internet joke culture, dates itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad that you said that, because it's like, yeah, it, it, it is kind of dated. Mm-hmm. And uh, last episode that we talked about The Incredibles, I mentioned uh, 
the friendship between Frozone and Bob being controversial because Frozone is black. I look somewhere and these do the Incredibles does take place in the fifties. Okay. Yeah. The time period is supposed to be Mm -hmm. like neo fifties or something. Mm -hmm. And it would be controversial for, you know, the most popular superhero in whatever country the Incredibles are in, let's say America, to have a black best friend, have a black Mm -hmm. best man Mm -hmm. at his wedding. And nobody says a thing. Superheroes are more inclusive. I guess. Also, took forever to get a black green lantern. Well, that's DC. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, how was Helen able to check all of the messages that Connie left? And also, what number did Connie call to leave all the messages about Jack Jack? Kari. I was like, who? Kari. Is I keep thinking Connie. Sorry, it's Kari. I think there's. How there's... is she able to? I don't. What number think... is she calling from the house phone to get a hold of Mrs. Parr? Her cell phone connected to Bluetooth of the <laughs> spaceship. Duh. Duh. Nice. The landline in the jet that <laughs> crashed. No, this came out when cell phones was were still like cell phones were a big thing by then. In the fifties. No. no, that's not when the whole thing was based. I'll say the fifties and sixties. Yeah, like the tech. The tech is pretty dated. Like, look at Bob's phone in his office. He's on a block phone. Okay, no, here's... And they're primitive computers. Uh, huh. Like, oh, okay, I like, see what you mean. Like, I was this thinking, was a question like, I wanted to, like, ask my grandparents and, and like, I was mom, thinking Because I was like, what I, happened? I was thinking, like, okay, so when you see the flashbacks of what happened when the superheroes were, like, shut down. Mm-hmm. Right. I assumed that happened in the 70s or 80s. No. When did we get color TV? In the 50s and 60s. Because I think that's when it is. Because the news is in black and white. And then I think... when And then I think 15 years later is when they get color. Google will tell us. Yeah. We're good at history. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things. And that is interesting, though. Incredibles wiki... The Incredibles takes place in 1962. Okay. Is what the insider, is what insider says. So, so the Incredibles takes place during the civil rights movement? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Same with Incredibles 2. Yep. Yeah, because it literally takes place right after the first one. Yep. Which I think once we stop recording, I'm going to go watch the Incredibles 2. Do it. Do it. In celebration. Man. Word. Yeah, so, yeah, how did she call? I want to ask my family, like... Well, you know what, they were still... Well, I don't know about in the 60s. Because I think they had, like, a landline, like, service. Like, a voicemail service of some sort. And you had to, like, input a password or something. Yes. Like, call a certain number, put in a password, and listen to your thing. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Because... Okay, wait, 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 no. No? What are we looking at? So, Stratagale is killed in 1957. Thunderhead is killed... In 1958, Bob Parr executes a rescue mission at sea in 2001. What? Article, this is, is this an interesting timeline? I'm not sure if I... Yeah, no. Because <laughs> it was 15 years later, not 50. <laughs> yeah. So somewhere in the 50s and 60s. To be continued. We'll, we'll yeah. update you what we find out. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about this mm. in the semifinals. Um... I have 
I've drunk Disney for Wreck-It Ralph. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, we've already done one for Finding Nemo and for The Incredibles and Mulan, right? Yes. Is that right? Mm. Okay. So Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, rule number one, drink anytime Vanellope glitches. Mm-hmm. I knew she was going to choose that. Rule number two, drink anytime Ralph wrecks anything. I think Tori called that one. And then rule number three. Um, I had a third one. What was it? You could do anytime there's a reference to another video game. Hmm? I was going to say uh, drink every time there's a drink anytime anyone makes a candy pun. Or just a pun in general. Oh, you hit a guy with glasses. Huh. Or a fun dungeon. Or a fun dungeon. Yeah. Fun dungeon? Yeah. Yeah, his dungeon. His oh. fungeon. It's his fungeon. It's a, it's a fun dungeon. <laughs> okay. So puns? Growing puns? Yes. Because okay. pretty much that's like anytime King Candy is on is on the screen. Okay, so anytime <laughs> Vanellope glitches, anytime Ralph wrecks, and anytime there's a pun. Yeah. Like candy coated heart of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I love it. All right. I dig it. So on our next episode, uh, we will be talking about uh, the other half of our quarterfinals. Uh, We'll be talking about The Lion King versus Beauty and the Beast and Wally versus Inside Out. Oh, my. You can follow us on all social medias, most social medias, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney versus on Twitter at DisneyBS. Remember to rate. Do review. we actually Twitter? I'm awful at it, but I do post things on Twitter. On Twitter at DisneyBS. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, give us a five star review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let you know how we're doing. Let you let us know what you think of uh, Mulan our choices. or yeah, of our choices. Give us a five-star review or comment on, you know, the Facebook and stuff. Keep the conversation going. You can also find us on Google Play Music where you can give us... 18.14 swords. Out of 15. (laughs) Yeah. Guys, we got to work on fractions. No, I like like these odds. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I think that's it. Sick. Yeah. Hope everybody had good holidays. Yeah. Thank you for listening as always, and we will see you guys next episode. Bye! Bye!